Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, William Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris, and the Packers aficionado. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you're approving of of the Jordan, the, the, the Jordan Love pickup and, and the possible uh, back and forth with him and Aaron Rodgers. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Please don't say anything about that pick just yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold off on that one. <laughs> but um, but 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 to start it off with with Joe Burrow and him being the the overall number one pick for for Cincinnati. Um, obviously he's coming off of off of a flawless season at LSU, and it's you know in the conversation as the best passing performance for a single season um, in the history of college football, throwing for five thousand six hundred seventy one yards, sixty touchdowns, and only six picks. And, you know, he, he went from an afterthought in college to being the, the big play machine um, in LSU's uh, potent uh, spread offense. Um, overall, he's just got, like you were saying last week, he's got the accuracy um, that's just pinpoint uh, unwavering when it comes to being under pressure and extending plays and picking up yards with his athleticism. Uh, looking forward to him being in Cincinnati, what do you like the most about um, Burrow's uh, capabilities? Would it still be kind of his pinpoint accuracy? I think so. It is pinpoint accuracy, his ability to move around the pocket. He has that sense around the pocket. He reads defenses really fast. A lot of people say he doesn't have a big arm. I disagree. I think he's very accurate deep when he throws a deep ball, immediate, immediate, uh, intermediate throws. I like he's a leader. He's a leader. Uh, he doesn't waver him coming from Ohio State. Um, not being able to get the chance that he needed, play like five games. I think it's uh, Richard freshman year, and then sophomore year they get a chance really. So he came to LSU, yeah. had one year under the system, and then his next year, boom. But a lot of people think he's going to be a one. It, they're afraid of him to be a one year wonder. I don't think so. I have when, when you have one those mechanics, yeah. yeah. When you have those mechanics as a quarterback, and he's above average runner, which is which is a plus for his game. I'm I'm excited about his whole like his whole package because the Bengals need a leader. They need a, a mobile yeah. quarter a quarterback that is mobile who can extend the play, a quarterback that's accurate who has not been injured prone. That's the biggest thing. His it's his uh his list, I mean years of injury is like you can't he didn't really have injuries, which is a bless going into yeah. that where the Bengals have multiple injuries on their offensive side. So that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to him coming in and be a leader, him coming in um, in a situation where it's not they don't think he wants to be the savior his first year. Just get that first year under your wing, just like you went for LSU. Then the second year you, mm-hmm. you take off. Yeah. And, and the, the intriguing skill set that um, Burrow has is, is already evident. But the intangibles are another big reason he's, that he was the top pick because he had the, the memorable clutch moments in 2019 and just rose to the occasion when it mattered most like. In that Alabama game, when when Tua and that off, Alabama offense just went on a, a second half spur, every time they needed a big play, Burrow delivered, and that was kind of like the 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 moment of truth type of game in Tuscaloosa, where you had to to see like how how big of a stage was he up to um, in, a, right. in a type of game like that, and um and, and even when you know LSU was facing top tier defenses, he he delivered. It, it, it's going to be early, like like, like the, the, there's going to be early struggles as a rookie. But how confident are you that that his poison clutch gene that he had in LSU will translate to the NFL once he like fully gets adjusted to the pace of the league? 
Well, it's going to take a minute because he he got drafted to the Bengals, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I, don't th- I don't know <laughs> what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to keep Andy Dalton as a starter and just build Joe Burrow up or Joe come in as a starter and Andy Dalton kind of be the second player. But you look at their roster, A.J. Green is always served. What a phenomenal wide receiver, but he's always served. The running game hasn't been has been stagnant with Joe Mixon and a couple other guys. The I mean, John Ross, his first year, he was had what almost broke the record, ran a fast uh, 40 time. Then his first year, he was injured. He had like a yeah. couple, two big games, and then he's been kind of like, ah, whatever. So it's a lot of plaguing mm-hmm. injuries that plague that, uh, that football team. So I don't expect him to come in to be the, the, the savior of that, that organization. I want to see him kind of gradually get there. But he's going to need that one year under his belt just for like history purposes because when he first got to LSU, he didn't have a terrible season, threw almost 3,000 yards, only had five interceptions, uh, over 10 touchdowns, which is a good, in my eyes, still a good season. But he still needed that, that um, the time to gel with the team, to get used to the offensive coordinator, you know, get an offense, you know, different, you know, schemes in and out of there. But I don't believe he's going to be the savior of the Bengals his first first year. But it's a lot of plaguing yeah, injuries up to that team. Yeah. And, and 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 when you look at some of the other things that happen, you know, Tua goes to Miami, um, Chase Young obviously to, to Washington, and um, CeeDee Lamb going so low. And, and transitioning to kind of our, our favorite pick from the draft last night, um, to me it was CeeDee Lamb because, you know, he's a really good route runner. Um, after the catch, he's elusive and physical at the catch point and just threatens at all three levels. And for Dallas to get him at, at that, you know, at, at the 17th pick was really a skill and what that offense can be with um, Michael Gallup, uh, Amari Cooper. Um, even though there are still defensive struggles for Dallas, like it, the, the offense is even going to be more potent. In terms of like who was your favorite pick, uh, who, who would you say for that? And also with with some of the other subplots that happened with, with you know, Green Bay's uh, uh, Green Bay picking up a quarterback, <laughs> New England. <laughs> uh, New England not taking quarterback in the first round. Uh, what were kind of some of the other things that that uh, that stood out to you along with your favorite pick? My favorite pick has to be um, CJ going to Jaguars, and yeah. not because he's you know he's from Florida, but I believe he can take over what Jalen Ramsey left with the Jaguars because he has that yeah. similar build. He's not he's not as tall as Jalen because Jalen's like what six three six four. And uh, mm-hmm. CJ is like 6'1", 6'2", but he still has long arms, has that closing ability, you know, aggressive at the line. He's He can play man coverage, zone coverage. He can play any type of thing. He could come up and hit you. He can blitz. He could do – he's the total package of a cornerback. And he's – what is uh, – his DB coach say he's low maintenance. He's he's has mm-hmm. his high talent, but he's a low maintenance guy. He does what he, does his job. He doesn't, he doesn't fray. He doesn't complain. He just does his job. I think Jaguars got a steal in CJ. And he was a true freshman coming in. So he played all three years. Soon as he got there, he was starting, yeah. he was starting cornerback. So that was my favorite pick. That was my best pick. I thought Jaguars were very aggressive. They knew what they knew what they wanted. They, you know, they saw a lot of cornerbacks in the draft. They let Jalen go. All right, we could get CJ. He could come in. The pick that kind of surprised me was. The Saints. I'm not going to even lie to you. I'm not yeah. going to lie to you, Wellington. They they drafted yeah. the center. He's a don't get me wrong. He's a good center, but I thought there were other opportunities. Yeah, other picks, <laughs> other picks out there that would benefit. <laughs> to them. put it to put it lightly, to put it lightly, they had other better decisions to make. 
Right. I believe so because, I mean, he's – don't get me wrong. He's a bruiser now. He was meant to play center. He'll tell you that, too. He was meant to play center. But for mm-hmm. me, you just paid a big-time wide receiver. Okay. And then your mm-hmm. running game, Alvin Kamara, he's, he's pretty good. Wide receivers, you have you have a decent talent. You drafted Hill probably like two, three years ago. You know what? Never mind. It makes sense, Wellington. Now just like thinking about it and not – it makes yeah. sense because you just gave Drew Brees a, a – The more you talk about it, it's kind of like – the more right. you talk about it, it's kind of like, yeah, it, it makes a little more sense, yeah. It makes sense because you just gave Drew Brees, who's 40 years old, an extension. So you want him to be protected. So you want to beef up your center game. And then you have a, yeah. a running back that has been injured for the past two years, and Alvin Kamara. So then you already paid your big-time wide receiver who had a phenomenal year last year, worth every penny. But you look at the yeah. defensive side. I think they're going to they're gonna address that, but you know what? I think it was – never mind. I'm pulling back, Wellington. I'm retracting. I'm retracting. <laughs> back. No. It was a good one. Because he's a – The he, headlines were about to go off. The headlines were about to go off with, 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 with Savon dis- disagreeing with New Orleans pick. But he's like, no, I'm going to take it back. I don't want to be in the headlines this afternoon. But don't get me wrong. Every office alumni that went, like, I jumped for joy. Like, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see the big guys get some praise. I want to see big guys go in the yeah. first round. That's really Undervoted. dope. Yes, it's really dope, yeah. but he's a bruiser. He's a bruiser. Cesar Ruiz, he's a bruiser, man. I've seen him pick somebody up and just drill him in the ground. I was like, okay. Now that I'm talking about out like in the open now, because I know a lot of New Orleans Saints fans like, bro, we got a center, bro. Like, what's going on? We could have got a linebacker. Mm-hmm. We got a safety. But you need that. Your quarterback is 52. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your quarterback is <laughs> he's 52. Aging. He's aging. He, well, he's aged in football years. He's yeah. a, he's a pre, you know, he's a dinosaur in the football years. So you need somebody to yeah. protect him. He's a guy. He's a guy. Definitely, and, and transitioning to, uh, but do you want to give like one minute, a uh, one minute take on on Green Bay and just kind of yeah, the, the confusion, the, the confusion with that? You you know, I didn't hate the pick. Okay, let me let me let me get that out the way. I did not hate the pick. What I hated was that we went so high to get him when he's going to be a quarterback that's yeah. going to be available in the second and third round. But I'm trying to figure out what. The, my general manager is doing because every the reasoning, single year, the reasoning yeah it. the reasoning behind because every year we go for the secondary which is our our Achilles heel last year we got Savage from Maryland and he got hurt so it's just like okay we're, we we gotta stop mm-hmm. <laughs> we gotta stop trying to get these guys these big guys three four years ago we got Demarius Randall he got hurt he gave us a couple yeah. years got hurt then we traded him for a quarterback and a pick so the every year then the year before we got Jai Alexander He's panning out well, but he still he still gets cooked a couple times. But I think they're trying to because then I looked at it like okay, Aaron Rodgers was his age when Brett Favre when they drafted him when Brett Favre was the quarterback. So I know they're looking for the future, but I think that pick would have been there in the second and third round. Yeah, because he's a he's a pretty good quarterback. He's yeah. a dual threat quarterback. He's he kind of has favors Aaron Rodgers style a little bit, but. I think he would have been there second and third round. Kind of mirrors mirrors Rodgers in some in some ways. Yes, most definitely. I think he has that that winning ability about him, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think he he extends plays. I think that's what makes Green Bay's offense so prolific 
is that we have a quarterback who can extend plays. You look at Brett Favre, he extended so many plays. Like he used to, you know, <laughs> throw footballs into areas <laughs> we never thought he should. They'd be like, when he did it, like, oh, never God, thought we're imaginable. Go, <laughs> oh, Brad, go, Brad. But I mean, that's what makes our offense so prolific. So I understood the pick, but I just didn't like how high it was. Yeah. Get get a exactly. get you a right tackle. Yeah. Get you a right tackle. Get somebody who can protect, you know what I'm saying? Get you a get you a right guard. You know, like it's other things that could have yeah. been yeah, but I understood the pick, but I just didn't want it that high. That high, yeah, exactly. And transitioning to uh to Gronk headed to Tampa Bay. Um Tuesday Tuesday afternoon it was reported by um Ian Rappaport from the NFL network um that Gronkowski was interested in coming out of retirement and um Later on, it was confirmed by Adam Schefter that the Patriots were, were sending him in a seventh round pick to Tampa Bay for a 2024 rounder. And, and one of the biggest questions is just how Gronk will, will readjust to the league. You know, he's an effective blocker and receiver and and just kind of like expecting him to be the, the same explosive, you know, yards after catch, um, uh, j- just just efficient player um, back five years ago is just, you know, a, a far fetched kind of idea. But at the same time, he's the type of seam stretcher that's, you know, extremely capable and knows um, how Brady's going to want to attack the middle of the field. But, but looking um, looking at this and, the, re- the you know, the, the reunion with him and, and Brady, what's kind of your biggest question about Gronk um, in his return? Because, you know, the last year in that Super Bowl, he made the big play to give to give New England the, the edge um, against the Rams. But um, a year removed and him coming back, uh, what are kind of some of your, your biggest questions uh, with this return? Is he healthy? Is he healthy? That's the biggest thing. I don't yeah. care about anything else. Is he healthy? Because he only played two 16-game seasons in his entire career. His first one was in 2011, his breakout career. We had like over 1,300 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, crazy athletic, versatile tight end that uh, kind of was like uh, <laughs> Aaron Hernandez prodigy, <laughs> if you will. Uh, yeah. But – that's the biggest thing to me. Like, is he healthy? Like, I need to see your physical. I need to like, I need to examine you. I need to do all this because football years, he's he's sort of like a dinosaur too. Because I mean, he's been dynamic when he's healthy. Isn't he, isn't he thirty-one? Isn't he thirty-one? Thirty-one. Yeah, he's over the totem pole. Yeah, that's old for football because you come in. Most yeah. people come in when they're like 22, 23, 21 even. Mm-hmm. So he's played in, in he's played in, in league for a while, you know. And then he's thirty one. He's past that pinnacle. When you when you're thir- you get to thirty years old, then you're considered a dinosaur. Now, if you're over thirty five, oh god, you're a dinosaur bone. Like you're 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 just waiting to be discovered. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's the biggest thing because Tom Brady as well. Like I don't know how much Tom Brady has left in his tank. I don't know how Grunk Grunk has been out for a year. And then before that, that's the question, been, though, because this can all seem so great as of now, but it's just like, I don't know how much Brady has left in the tank. I know he's the greatest quarterback of all time, and I'm not trying to, like, exactly. you know, uh, uh, diminish d- diminish what they're doing, but it's just like, that's kind of the thing, like, with both, like, are they going to be healthy? Right. This is their farewell tour. I saw, uh, I saw someone on Facebook about this is how Brady, <laughs> this is how Brady and Grot look. And it had a picture of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce with the Brooklyn. <laughs> yes, that was, with them headed to Brooklyn. Everybody was so hyped with them headed back to Brooklyn. It did oh, not deliver. God. It did not deliver at all. It was Don't tell terrible. me it's going to be a Brooklyn tour. Don't tell me it's going to be a Brooklyn tour. <laughs> it was terrible, man. 
But, you know, <laughs> oh, sorry. Let me get my focus. Because that really took me over the top. I was like, yo, it's really exciting. Now, if they add other pieces to it, and it's word that OJ Howard said he yeah. wants to be traded. I don't know how true that is. We haven't got reports from like ESPN or uh, any other credible sources. It was like total sports. I'm not sure how credible they are. They, they you know, to do a little stuff, but I don't know how credible they are. But they said, OJ, if they add um, Tony Brown, I know Percy Harvey wants to come out of retirement after three years. He wants to go down and now they add those weapons. Then we got to, then you, then you got That's a different story. That's a different story. Because yeah. you don't have to do much to give <laughs> Antonio Brown the ball. He's going to create space. Gronk, Gronk is going to, if Gronk yeah. is completely healthy, he's going to be a mismatch. He's been, he's been proving that ever since he came on the scene in 2011. But the biggest thing, is he healthy? Yeah, and, and that's the thing, because, you know, Bruce Arians and, and the Bucks, you know, um, with uh, with the general manager, Jason Lick, they believe they're ready to compete in, in, in the NFC right now in the top tier. And just as we we're saying, how much Brady has left to exert is going to be the key. Um, and, you know, they've committed to committed to him for the next two years. And, you know, having a quarterback like that is always a bonus. But, but as of now, in terms of just, because like with, with the Saints, 49ers, Seattle, I, I still think those are better teams. Um, I, I, like as of now, do you think they're kind of like a middle, a middle of the pack tier kind of team? Like, like how, how would you kind of place them? Or do you think it's more one of those things where once the dust settles and, and, and if they possibly add a couple more pieces, you can accurately kind of size them up with the rest of the NFC? Most definitely. I don't think... Even when Jameis last year, they they were still contenders to to go. I think they still won like eight games. So bringing mm-hmm. in Tom Brady, bringing in Gronk, and then you have you bring in Antonio uh, Brown, he bring in another big time wide receiver. That that gives you options right there. Like I'm not gonna count them out right now. I I don't want to gauge it or speculate like this. You know, quickly, we might not even see a, a season next year coming to coronavirus. But yeah, exactly. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to count them out because one is Tom Brady. You never count out Tom Brady until you see zero zero on that clock. You never count them out. I don't. I don't want to even start that 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 uh, narrative. Like, okay, Tampa Bay <laughs> Go down that, that trail. <laughs> yeah, Tampa Bay won't be contenders. You know, not. I'm not saying they're gonna be contenders for the Super Bowl, but they will like be able to compete. In, in, in their uh in their conference in not NFC. conference but the NFC but mm, I don't want to speculate what it's a, I don't want you to get I don't want yeah. you to do that to me man because last time I said something about I'm not gonna do it like, I'm not gonna do it in my face because I know you like was like I told what was in you your so. face what was in your uh, face <laughs> oh when I said it's no uh nothing to worry about for the the Patriots. No red flags oh, yeah. last sure. year. And, the, and it was a bunch of red flags. It was a bunch and of And they flags. go out in the first round. Yeah. Which that, that's how see that I don't want to say anything anymore. See, because I don't want to be too confident in Tom Brady and then he lets me down like that. I'm not even a Patriots fan. So now you had you're not but gonna You always, you always have the most confidence in them. You always have the most confidence in them. Like are, are they gonna take a quarterback in this draft? Like like, like, like what, what do you see happening with the New England? <sighs> I'm not even sure because they uh what guy they got here in the um in the uh Jared Sidham. Tr- yeah. Who was that again? Skidham, Jared Sidham, the, the quarterback from Auburn. No, I'm talking they, they they got a quarterback already in the uh free agency. I thought, I thought they got a quarterback. Because I know I know Brian I know Brian Hoare is their backup right now. 
I could have swore they got a quarterback in the free agent. Like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going crazy. I could have sworn they got. I know Patrick Rivers. Patrick Rivers. Oh, my gosh. Philip Rivers, Rivers yes, went to Indy. And oh, then somebody yeah. from Indy went, or somebody close in that vicinity went to. Jacoby Brissett? No, Jacoby's still there. Somebody went to the Patriots. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to keep it going. But do okay. they get a quarterback? Full scope details coming out later. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a tough that's a tough question. Knowing knowing like they haven't had well they they drafted quarterbacks in the past. Yeah, I'm not sure, bro. It's tough to tell now because 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 I, I kind of feel like Belichick like he's content going with 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 Jared Skidham right now, and then in 2021, kind of starting to see like who's that next guy they're going to go with for like the foreseeable future. Because I think they they go after D lineman because they got to offer to lineman. I think they go after D tackle because they have a good, pretty good running back situation with James White and um, Sonny Michelle. They have pretty good yeah. uh, consistent wide receiver. Julian Edelman is skill, still going to be the number one guy. I think they go after D lineman. To be honest with you, to beef up the D line again. I don't see them going yeah. to get a quarterback right now. Not in this draft. Not in this draft. I, I, I don't think- see. I don't see it either. Yeah, not not this year. I think they let to see the system, see the system could really like groom somebody else. Because the system groomed Tom Brady for it. So they think they can like, you know, redo the the magic they did like fifty thousand years ago. With Matt Castle. <laughs> with Matt Castle when they won eleven games. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but like Bill Belichick is 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 the master. Like we're we're going to see the mastermind at work without the greatest quarterback ever. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Hmm. You might not see it though until two thousand twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. Um, transitioning to uh, the, the last dance and the, and the first two episodes from from the Michael Jordan documentary this past Sunday, uh, this past Sunday night, and and, and it was you know with, with the ten part documentary, there were a lot of things that were just kind of dropped in, in the first two episodes. And and one of the biggest ones to me was, you know, Scottie Pippen undervalued. Um, that was kind of like one of the biggest things highlighted in episode two, um, you know, him delaying his surgery after the 97 season, which uh, made him unavailable. And and, and Pippen, it, it just he just seemed he just felt like extremely insulted, you know, it, since he was considered one of the top players in the league. Um, Jordan said, quote, I, he felt like Scottie was pink, was being selfish, end quote. And, um, you know, Pippen berated uh, uh, Jerry Krause in, in public and, and, and many players um, plus kind of Phil Jackson felt as though it crossed the line at times, but the player GM drama between him and Krause was just at a different level than what we, what, what we kind of see sometimes, um, today w- w- with him just feeling like, you know, a seven year, 18 million deal, just not at the, the level that, that, that I'm, that I'm giving out on a night's night basis. Right. Um, but, but that was kind of like one of the moments that sit out to me, uh, what moment or moments, um, sit out to you in these, uh, first two episodes as, as it's just even started. The. Scotty Pippen, I didn't know his 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 uh his contract was that low. Didn't ever know that. Never yeah. knew that. I never knew he didn't he didn't get his big paycheck until he played with the Trailblazers and the Suns. Or was it yeah, Trailblazers and the it Suns? It doesn't even sound right. It's it's like saying, Breaking news, Kyle Kuzma signed a seven year, eighteen million deal. It's <laughs> just like what what was that? Right, like you, he was underpaid behind Ron Harper. Now Ron Harper was a good basketball player, but it's Scotty Pippen. Yeah, what's going on? Like, and then the owner said, "I told him not to." I don't know how true that was. He said, "I don't." I told him not to sign it. 
that doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. man. Get out of here. You told him not to sign it. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Whatever. That's not believable. But uh, another moment was like Jerry, man. Jerry Cross, like, yeah, I didn't like that. Just like that tidbit information and Michael Jordan and Scotty going at it. Scotty was like, man, I I couldn't stand that, man. I didn't respect him. Excuse me. But the biggest thing for me was no, I didn't know because I mean, how could I know? I was young at this time. That felt that Jerry was like, yeah, this feels last year. I don't care what, what anybody says. This is Phil. Even if you go 82 and 0. Right. I'm like, that's crazy. I understand you're trying to build. And, you know, these guys has, you know, a time limit on their prime. But, yo, Phil Jackson, when it was in his prime, excuse me, he gave you Mm -hmm. five championships. And then they wasn't going to sign Scotty back. They were contemplating if they was going to sign Michael back. Like, they knew they weren't going to sign Steve Kerr back. Like, it was just like all this stuff, like, where, how are you going to rebuild? Where where are you going to go? That it doesn't make sense. So that was the biggest like, whoa! They they told Phil Jackson that one of the greatest head yeah. coaches ever. They told and Jordan him that? said and Jordan said before the ninety eight season, um, like if Phil's not here after this year, the, the, like w- which is now known as the last dance, he wasn't going to come back. Like he wasn't going to play for any other coach other than Phil Jackson. Right. That's crazy, man. That was like a big yeah. reveal to me because we were talking about this it was like oh they're gonna move it up and i was like what can they give us that we haven't already seen that we haven't, whatever? Known. haven't known i didn't know that maybe i could have known it if i yeah. researched it but like it i didn't know that like that was crazy that was like the first two seasons i'm like I me mean, first two episodes i'm like yo yeah i need to release like episodes. four more right now release four more right now <laughs> yeah i, I could have watched like four straight <laughs> Right. I was like at my desk. I was like, yo, this is good. And then, I mean, of course, it's going to be all yeah. about Michael Jordan. <laughs> of course. But, uh, but they had so many other people in, you know, giving their, you know, behind the scenes stories that like we haven't always heard in some of like the past years. Right. And I love the highlight of Scotty Pippen's life. I didn't know his, you know, his dad was in a wheelchair and his brother was, you know, in a wheelchair because he got slammed. Yeah. Um, and, well, not recess, but at, you know, gym. That was like, it just gave you a new insight of who Scottie Pippen was just, and how, like, how he came up. I didn't know he was, like, 6'1 in college already. And then one summer, boom, now I'm six, like 6'6". Six, six, huge, six, huge growth spurt. Huge growth spurt. Growth spurt. And he was, like, in there killing. He was, like, he kept his uh, his point guard abilities, his ball movement, whatever, whatever. He just added height to it, and he was unstoppable. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and and another thing, uh, but b- um, b- before we, we, we kind of move on with the ninety eight uh, with the with the nineteen eighty six season, that was the year they went thirty and fifty two. They were an eight seed. Jordan was still able to will them into the postseason, and that's when we see him drop sixty three in game two against the Celtics. And that was that was like when Larry Bird. And I feel like the kind of the league they were kind of like this guy is just extremely different. Um, right. Even though the Celtics won that series convincingly, it was just a different type of series. And for him to, and, and that that was before, like he st- he kind of had the right team to be able to advance. But but that was kind of another series and another year where even with that type of record, they were still able to get in, and he was still was able to. He, he did almost everything that you possibly could have done individually yes, to did. win that series. He just didn't he just didn't have the right team. Most deaf, most deaf, because coming in a situation. Yeah. Um, 
even after his injury, like he came back from his injury, it was like, man, nobody wants to win. Everybody wants to draft lottery, whatever, whatever. Like, I want to win. Yeah. That's the one thing you cannot say about Michael Jordan. He didn't have that killer mentality. He wasn't going to allow tanking. He no. wasn't going to allow tanking at all. No, not at all. Not at all. He wants to win. I lo- That's what I love about Michael Jordan. You know, he, he always wants to win. I mean, that was kind of his demise in a sense. But he always mm-hmm. wanted to win. He always put team first. He's going to give you his all every every time he's on the hardwood. But, yeah, like, everybody knew, like, <laughs> the Bulls was trash. Like, like <laughs> yeah. the Bulls was trash. Like, when even magic was like yeah like they weren't ready yet <laughs> they weren't they weren't ready yet but everybody knew who the best player on the court was and who was the future of basketball michael jordan hands down yeah definitely well we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back Welcome back to the show, and we're getting into our pop culture segments, our, our, our last few topics for today, and um, and, and, and for, for our first one, with uh, we're going to be talking about J. Cole's K.O.D. album, uh, came out two years ago, and this album, it, it was his fifth album, and, you know, it, it really highlighted him trying to highlight, you know, saving addicts from, from a tragic fate, um, romance, the, the tax system, and showing how addiction can, you know, lead to abu- abusive relationships, and it's just, and it not just being... Uh, a bad habit or vice, but also bringing in pain and trauma. Um, but but Cole, you know, he, he showed how how he's experienced a various amount of uh, different different relationships, and that rappers can can kind of be vulnerable to the um, to the same empty feeling um, that he's showing uh, in this project. And in brackets, um, he's touching on how even the taxpayers that are the riches don't don't know where the uh, the tax money's going on. And he says, "quote It's been a long time since I felt this way about something, but now." But now I'm controlling my mind. The days are warm. The nights are cold. The lost is found. I'm found. Lord knows I need something to fill this this void. End quote. It's been a long time since I have felt this way about something. But now. But now. I'm controlling my mind. The days are warm. The nights are cold. The lost is found. I'm found. Lord knows I need something to fill this void. Lord knows I And then in a more kind of commercial song, ATM, where he's got, you know, the catchy repetitive chorus and putting a, a spotlight on uh, the human addiction to greed and wealth. And he said, quote, a million dollars, I count up at intervals. Without, I'm, without it, I'm miserable. Don't want to fall off, so I'm all in my bag. Thinking God like it's biblical. I know it's going to solve every problem I have, end quote. A million dollars I count up in intervals Without it I'm miserable Don't want to fall off so I'm all in my bag Thinking God like it's biblical I know it's gonna solve every problem and, and there were just different different types of songs Different types of things he was highlighting in it Whether it be a, the commercial song like ATM Or something like Brackets um, But what were your thoughts on this album And when it came out And kind of the different elements of life uh, He highlighted in it This is what you call a flip Like <laughs> this album was well put together and and flow well like what else can you like think of when you think of j cole like every album is strategic every album has a meaning behind it, a deeper meaning that leaves you in all like thinking about what he's really talking about sometimes it might be like black and white sometimes it may be like yo like what is he talking about but this album alone i think really kind of highlighted his 
movement of being a activist, whether he wants to be an activist or not, or have that tag or not, just having that, I guess, conscious rap quotations around that, but just him being transparent and wanting to people to understand the values, what values of life really is. And I think it kind of stems from love yours. Like, I think that's when he kind of realized like, yo, yeah. Well, the entire Forest Hill Drive, but when he when he wrote Love Yours, I think it, it gave him like a boost or like that that reassurance, like, okay, this is what I really want to talk about now. I don't want to talk about what I talked about in um uh oh geez, come on, you're a J. Cole J. Cole fan. Come oh. on, Stavon. Uh, uh Cold World. Cold World. Cold World Sideline Story or um Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, Friday Night Lights, and even the one he dropped in 2013 with uh, Forbidden Fruit, and it's a bunch of other ones. Oh, gosh. Come on, Savon. Man, my goodness. I'm going to have to turn in my J. Cole fan card. How, right. how, how do I not remember this? Even Born, Born Sinner. Sinner. Born Sinner was like the, the album like reaching to him, being transparent and not wanting to put out as much commercial. He had some definitely commercial hits on there, but then he transitioned to Forest Hill, and it gave him a new perspective on life, mm-hmm. I think, because his interviews kind of changed. He was like, man, I used to put so much emphasis on having money and chains and women and boom, 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 boom. Like that's that's gonna go away. Like what's what's gonna really like give me that nourishment. So I think this album really like highlighted him as a an activist, a person who wants to talk yeah. about more than himself in his life. Like highlight the different things like even with photograph, like in the digital age, like you know that that song really got that really song like man that song dope and then motivate mm-hmm. i like how he entered oh, like, yeah. intertwined two hit classics like knuck if you buck and um i forgot what other song get money oh um uh biggie uh uh get money with uh what's the what's the group uh young mafia i'm trying to think i'm trying to think yeah 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 mafia yeah so i like how he implemented those classics in there but like the the message behind motivate like this whole it was so strategic man like every song like not nah, i like how you had kill elbert like he had me blow like when i first saw the yeah. track list and he was like kill who's kill Elbert? this man said he'll never have a feature on his albums ever again but he got this dude called kill Elbert. and that's the thing because he doesn't have a ton of features on, on his projects uh when, when when an artist has that and especially him like, like it doesn't seem like like something he likes to incorporate in a lot of in a lot of his projects he has had had features in the past he had kendrick on on, on one of his um on uh on, on one of his albums yeah forbidden fruit. In, in terms of an artist not having yeah forbidden fruit and in, in terms of an artist not having that what do you think it means for cole like do you think it's one of those things where he just kind of likes to be censored on his own project and and not really having like a ton of different voices in or is it just Maybe something more more strategic. I think it's him wanting to hear hear his like be himself because when you have features on, then you have mm-hmm. to kind of pander to that that artist. I think for him, he realized that Forest Hill Drive. He didn't he didn't put out a <laughs> single beforehand. Like normally, you'll put out a single and try yeah. to get the the album some buzz, but he just put it out with nobody knowing. I think he wanted to do something different. Right. I think he wanted people to understand who he was as an artist. Because, like you said, like the for Born and Center, he had Johnny Aiko on there. He had, uh, um, I think it was Miguel. He had uh, Kendrick Lamar. He had a bunch of artists. Like then one of his one of his best songs out there, uh, I let Nas down. Like I kind of like, I think that was his like last yeah. way of reflecting on the commercial life, of reflecting on the lifestyle he made. So, like 
pop wanted to make continue to make it popular and then transition into now like talking about having some real content in his music but not having a feature i think that's that means you're very confident in who you are that your music is going to make an impact whether it's a a popular another proper artist or not i think it's definitely strategic and i think he wanted people to really hear him instead of hearing like anybody else definitely and and and, and was there one track um on this project that you think best signified what he was trying to accomplish in in, in KOD cuz um you know there are memorable ones and you know like ATM motivated right. I, I mentioned ATM and, and brackets and um what was there kind of like one track you would say like this is this really signified what he was trying to accomplish on this project it was two the cutoff and 1985 and mm-hmm. that trying to introduce the fall yeah. off cuz with cutoff he was just really talking about how people change when he got money and how he felt mm-hmm. like when I gave people the money and people, you know, try to take from me, they didn't really give anything back or they disappeared on me and they come back when they needed more. Kind of like him, like being transparent, like, yo, like I might be this like modest guy, but, you know, I never like I'm still he said, I, I forgot what line he said, but he's like, I never uh, wanted to wish harm on anybody because I'm still sane. But and I know that's God's whatever, but. I, I pray that you say yeah. something when I see you. So I'ma see you when I see you. Know that day coming. I pray that on that day you slip and say something. I never fantasize about murder because I'm still sane. But I can't seem to fight this urge to make you feel pain. I know that vengeance is the Lord's and it's not for me. I know the punishment for you is that you. I pray that like he's like because we think of J. Cole, we think of this modest guy, not this violent, aggressive person. But that song really lets you know like money's the root of all evil. And the people around you would change, but just let know, like, I still have that side of me. I just don't show it. Like, Cut Off really, like, gave me a new perspective on J. Cole because I didn't think J. Cole was that aggressive type person. He was like, man, I wish you would say something. The time going to come when we see each other, and I pray you say mm-hmm. something. I'm not the violent type because I'm st- I don't wish harm on anybody because I'm still saying that's God. Like, it was like that whole bar, the whole scheme was crazy. And then 1985, I'm talking to the mama rappers, and talking to... Uh, Little Pump and all the other people that kind of try to like sneak this some. He was like, "Man, I'm gonna tell y'all the game. Like, I'm yeah. not here. Like, I can I can take it to that side, but I don't want to take it to that side. I want to give people knowledge. I want to give people the hidden gems and little nuggets that people don't give people. Like, I want to I want to be transparent with everybody. And, and in that and even in that song, he was saying like like this is why I'm gonna be around for years. You know, right. um, like my skills are are, are, are at, at the top of the pinnacle of what I want them to be and the story that I'm telling. It's it's going to be something that listeners are going to continue to want to listen to, you know, five, six years later. Most definitely. J. Cole will go down in history as one of the I, I saw something not to get off subject. I saw something on Facebook because I I'm in this group, this J. Cole fan group on Facebook. I've been in there for like years where somebody mm-hmm. said. They said J. Cole is the Tim Duncan of rap. And I couldn't get that out of my head. <laughs> the big fundamental. <laughs> the big fundamental. Because it's a lot. I forgot who said something. I forgot what interview. I was like, people, J. Cole don't talk about his accolades. People talk about his accolades for him. J. For Cole him. never yeah. said anything about like, I'm the best rapper, blah, blah, blah. He let the, the people talk for him. Like he never had to like list his, his list of accolades, just like Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Kendrick had to never talk about his his accolades. People gave him like I forgot what what show that was, but it was the game. It was um, Snoop Dogg. 
It was a couple other California rappers that was on the stage. It was like, hey, yo, they surprised him at his show. He was like, yo, you got the crown now. And he got so emotional. Like, he doesn't yeah. they don't have to say broke anything. Down. Yeah, it broke down. He don't have to say anything. And that's how J. Cole is. He's the big fundamental. Tim Duncan didn't say nothing. He did his job. He did. And, and everybody, he's a Hall of Famer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. So that's why I think about J. Yeah. Cole. He's going to live forever. His name will live forever. We don't, he don't have to say anything. We'll, we'll say it for him. Project. And in this, in this project, and it was a more grounded and it was a more grounded uh, type of work in dealing with, you know, the, the a fair relationship that, that has ups and downs. Um, but she's, she's ar- already known for kind of like the, the smooth el- the, with the smooth melodies and storytelling aspect of her songs. And she's got, you know, freeform performances that are always confident in, in her getting through heartbreak and being stronger from it. And one of the, the tracks that, that I really liked was uh, on One Way Street featuring Absol. She says, quote, I'm feeling strangely sane today. I'm amazed. I'm brave today. I, re- I rearranged my brain today. I rearranged my, my ways, end quote. And there was just a really impressive production on that song. And then, you know, I, it, it was like 40 seconds left in the track with the beat changing before the end delivering kind of really experimental vibe with um with her projects. And, and that's kind of what, what, what this project uh, 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 was, was trying to accomplish. But what were your thoughts for, for the pain and strength she tried to contrast um, on uh, uh, Ch- 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 Chalambo compared to some of her earlier projects? Mm, I like... She's different on this 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 album in a sense, because you know Jane is a poet at heart and she loves freestyles. Like you will always see a freestyle or something along those lines on her project. And I think with this project, she wanted to just like let everything go. Like Trigger, Trigger is one of the best songs on this project. Yeah, trigger freestyle, Trigger freestyle, yeah. and then um, what it was, the P Fairy and the slash on the way song is mad crazy. Never heard that mm. side of Janae. None of your concern, bro. Goodness. And then I With love Big how, Sean? Oh my goodness. Yes, bro. And I love how Ty Dolla Sign kind of sung the back, the backup vocals for her. It just mm. gave you. It's she's always a vibe, but this was was kind of different. It was kind of like it was edgy. It was more vulnerable than she's used to be. Like it was. It was that sound like you just listen to like float on and just like cling to her every word because yeah. she has a lullaby type beat. But I think this was was more like more edgy and, and more vulnerable in a sense because you look at uh, the song which she had with her mm-hmm. BS. Her her kill her verse. Her killed her verse. Like her verse was so fire. <laughs> that song is so, so fire. Like yeah. I I don't skip any song on this. Like I can't. But- and that was the thing I was getting to. We've talked about projects in the past before that we just are top four projects that we like and we just can't skip any songs. Like this is kind of in that group now. Like it's it's really hard to, to to skip a track. Most definitely. And then it was uh I don't know if you ever heard Joe Budden, he he has a podcast and you know, pump, yeah. pump, pump it up like him. Uh he said Jane doesn't she never progressed in her music. She oh never goodness, progressed. On, she never uh like grew in her music. Come on, Joe. Come on. Like, yeah, that's what I said. Come on, Joe. Like, if you look at <laughs> I, I don't know what, what he's he, the same guy who said Drake's 
He's the same guy who said Drake's views was uninspired. <laughs> yeah, that was dumb. That was that's one of Drake's best <laughs> albums to me. Yeah, come on. Come on, man. But like to say Jane hasn't grown in her music, that's crazy. Maybe she uses like the same, but that's what hooks people. People want to vibe. People mm-hmm. want to be in that in that realm of just like feeling with those type of you know melodies and stuff like that. Like I think this album, she was more transparent and edgy because P Fairy really gave me like like I was like okay Jade like yo I love Jade. <laughs> like, my favorite song by her is still um Stay Ready with uh Stay Ready with uh, Kendrick yeah. Lamar. My favorite song hands love down. That one. I could listen to that for hours, man. But that's so dope. But this album here, she was way more edgy, way more like vulnerable, and she she didn't care. She let it all hang out. All out. She had no like no let back. She had no regrets. I believe when she did this album, she kind of like, cause you know, her when Big Sean was falling out at the time. And I think that's when Trigger was mm-hmm. created because it was a freestyle. So she lost freestyle. So man, this album was crazy though. Like it's it's yeah, is is triggered to you the, the the best song on this project, or would it be something like maybe none of your concern? Mm, yeah, none of your concern is the best song to me because it was okay. subtle. It was subtle. It was real subtle because we seen Janae go through different things in her life when her brother died, mm-hmm. the, like yeah. the interchanging of her daughter growing up, her getting divorced. And that whole situation with her ex-husband and being yeah. with Big Sean and doing that. And I think that's when Trigger was created. Like we see her go through so much and none of your concern was just like that song. It was so subtle, but it was so like, and then I think Ty Dolla Sign kind of like enhanced the song with his like melodic forms and stuff like that. Like, yeah, none of your concern then triggered yeah. and then. I don't. I don't want to. I just say none. None of your concern is like my favorite song on it. None of your concern. Yeah, that's my favorite yeah. song. And and, and 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 with the the atmospheric vibe and and her just you know being able to navigate through different genres, she's just not having big hooks or, or taking um a backseat to a guest on one of her tracks. She just has the grace that she brings to like almost every one of her songs and and the easygoing vibe um for the majority uh for the majority of this project. But but th- there's just an audience and market for for that, and she's been able to capitalize on that for people wanting to hear that. Um, but what do you think is going to keep her relevant for years to come? Is it is it the atmospheric vibe, just the grace she brings, or just her you know not really taking a backseat to to any guests on on one of her tracks? All the above, man. It's yeah. What, what, let me see who like even comes remotely close to her style. Like when I think of Janae Aiko, I put her in the realm of Erica Badu. I put her in the range of um, Lauren Hill, uh, Indy Irene. Yeah. Like when you hear those names, you think of that that soulful type, like vibey lullaby, like on and on. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy! Like, cause so her music will stand the test of time because she's a vibe. People will always want to vibe. Yeah. And then she's amazing in concert. Like, it's no, I don't think it's no weakness. That's the number one thing you hear. Right. That's the number one thing you hear, the vibe, the vibe. The vibe. She, I don't think it's one weakness in her game because she has range. She has, she has those hit songs that can be on the radio that those commercial songs, but she also has those songs that make you 
kind of feel like you're in her shoes in a sense. Mm-hmm. She brings you to where she is. She puts you, she like you have that outer body experience and you're like not a fly on the wall, but you in her shoes. Like that's what her music yeah. does to people. And I think that's why she'll stand the test of time because that music me- really makes you feel and makes you vulnerable with her. And I think that's why a lot of people like Drake too, because the music makes you feel and you're vulnerable. And he's not afraid to talk about those yeah. things. And Donnie is not afraid about talking about those things either. So dope music. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a really good project. Um, well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.